Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Yesterday the Lord just began to deal with me about something and, and uh, I feel that I'm in the will of God tonight. I really do feel like I'm in the will of God. I've had a good day of study and and I pray that the Lord will just help me to convey, amen, what's in my heart. I feel like the Lord has put there yes. and uh, to all of us here this evening. I have no idea what you press through to get here. But in all fairness, you don't have any idea what I press through to get here. Amen. Traffic was unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's beside the point. Amen. But we're here. That's the main thing. We are here. And the Lord is here. And the Lord is here. I guess that would be the main thing, wouldn't it? The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 1. I'm going to read three verses. I'm going to point out four words in each of these verses. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity and have not charity. And have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, and have not charity, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, and have not charity, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Amen. I want to speak this evening from this subject, the critical ingredient. Amen. The critical ingredient. You probably already figured that out. Amen. It's critical. The critical ingredient. If I have not charity, if I have not charity, amen. God bless you. and. You can be seated. Thank you for the wonderful spirit of prayer, amen, pre-service prayer, and, and um, thank you for your worship and your praise tonight and your attentiveness to his spirit. I want to consider this evening the critical role that love or charity plays in the work of God, because that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, is the work of God. We're going to be talking about something very critical, very important. I want to read a few more verses um, down through verse number 7, maybe a little bit of verse 8. But it concerns this same subject, just reading on from where we were. Paul goes on to say to the church at Corinth, Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth, that word means boast. It doesn't boast of itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, it is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth 
not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. The beginning of the next verse, verse number 8, says charity never faileth. I mean, you can count something that never fails. I know a lot of things are advertised today that never fail. They fail. But the Bible says of charity, it never fails. Then if we drop down to verse number 13, verse number 13 seems to summarize all of these verses by saying this, Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And um, I know that in our world today, certainly in our culture, and I don't mean this cynically or to be negative, but the word love, which is what the word charity means, but the word love is quite diluted and often overused to the point that it has no ring or no depth to it. People can just parrot those words, I love you. But love is not just a statement, love is an action and love is a very deep, broad subject. The word love is, is significant to the work of God. It is significant to the ministry of the work of God. So in this passage that we have before us this evening, charity is not just any love, but this word is a channeled love. It's a precious love, and if I could say it this way, and, and, and from my heart mean it, that it's a godly love, not just warm and fuzzy, uh, not just batting our eyes and lip service, but there's a depth, there is a meaning of this sort of love. And so that's what Paul had in mind when he wrote to the Corinthians. Now, the Corinthian church, I, I know even sometimes... From even me, I give it a bad rap. But the Corinthian church was a very gifted, they were a very gifted people. So when you read about the church at Corinth, we can find evidence of their giftedness. And the acknowledgement of that evidence is in, in the opening comments of Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians 1. So Paul opens, you know, Paul, he's a very eloquent writer, and so... He opens all of his letters. I mean, there's not a person here who wouldn't want to date. There's not a lady here that wouldn't want to date Paul. I mean, he's, he's an eloquent writer. And so he just kind of woos you with his opening comments. But he, he said, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God that has been bestowed upon you. I thank the Lord for all the goodness and the kindness and the grace that God has bestowed upon you. In everything, Paul said, in everything ye are enriched. And then he gets very specific. He says, in all utterances, in knowledge, in the testimony of Christ. In verses, I think, 4 through 7, he's, he's kind of capturing these gifts. He said, in, in knowledge, in test, the testimony of Christ, he said, you come behind in no gift. You're not behind in anything. You're, you're just abundantly blessed. And so whatever a Christian could be gifted to do, the Corinthians, they had that gift. You ever met people like that? I mean, they can sing. They can play an instrument. They can preach. They can slice, dice, chop, puree. 
Just whatever you want. I mean, they're just gifted. And so if it was the gift of miracles, Corinthians had it. If it was the gift of languages, the Corinthians, they had it. They could praise God beyond anything anybody else ever attempted to do. They were the gifts of healing, the gifts of interpretation, the gifts of prophecy. It just seemed that the Corinthian church had a double portion of anything that was flowing down the street. But in all fairnesses, and this is not my message tonight, they had some huge weaknesses. And so their weaknesses is not my message, but I, I just for the sake of balance, I do want to mention just a couple of them. Some of their weaknesses was, the, was they had the spirit of discord among them. And you can see this broadly in their walk with one another and with God. There was a spirit of divisiveness. They had a group here. They had a group here. They had a group here. One said, I'm following Cephas. And so that ain't nothing. I'm following Apollos. Well, that ain't nothing. I'm following Paul. And see, here are all these people with all these gifts, all this ability. But they had these divisions among them. And Paul just said, I'm following Christ. He's trying to bring balance to the whole thing. They had one other weakness, and that is the fact that they were very ambitious about the gifts of the Spirit. But to them, the church was just a stage. It was just a platform. And so they were ambitious about the gifts of the Spirit, and we said, well, what could possibly be wrong with that? Well, here's what's wrong, is that it wasn't for the good of others. It was just so that they could showcase their giftedness and their talents. Amen. And we've all been, let's just be real, we've all been to services or functions or whatever, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something that we put on or something that is even of our faith, but you go to, to various events. I like to left you there. Amen. You go to various events. <laughs> Amen. And in more ways than one. You go to various events, and whoever's holding the microphone all of a sudden makes it about them. And it could be a wedding, and all of a sudden the bride and the groom have just got to kind of take a back seat because somebody got a microphone. It could be a funeral or many other things, all points in between. And so this is a snapshot of the Corinthian church. I mean, if they got the mic, just look out. But it was just because it was just a stage. If it was a gift of tongues, they didn't want to just speak in tongues. They wanted to speak in tongues more than anybody else had ever spoken in tongues. Amen. <laughs> and so here was these, this giftedness. They want to just show somebody. I remember several years ago, a good friend of mine, Brother David Myers and his wife, Sister Amy, were, they have twin boys and a daughter, but they have twin boys. And among their, their boys, a spirit of competitiveness. And, and so one night they were at the, the table, and so one of the young men were, were asked by their parents to say the blessing. And so he just said the blessing and just kind of gave, I guess, while the story went. You remember this, kind of just a routine blessing. And so the next night, they asked the other brother to say the blessing. Well, he just rears back and he just lays it out. And when he gets through blessing the food, he looks at his brother and he goes, that's how you say a blessing. So I'm, not, I'm not sure I would have trusted that prayer. I would have probably wanted to whisper my own over that meal. And so if it was speaking in tongues, the Corinthians, they, wanted to, they just wanted to outspeak anybody else. They wanted to say, that is how you do it. 
If it was a gift of healing, they were ambitious and flamboyant in their fashion because they wanted to be seen and heard, recognized of men. If it was a gift of prophecy, they wanted to prophesy beyond anything anybody had ever heard in all your life. I remember hearing this. I wasn't in the service, but I remember hearing this because, you know, anything can happen in church, but it's not just church. It just happens to be where people gather. So wherever people gather, anything can happen where people together. That could be a goat auction. just happens that we're uh, in church. But somebody was testifying one night and they was just talking about what they felt like God was going to do. And they just got so wound up in what they were saying. They said that they believed that God was about to go beyond the supernatural. Well, can I just ask you, where would that be? If we're going to go beyond the supernatural. And so here is the spirit, the mindset, the feeling of the Corinthian church. And so if it's gifts of prophecy, we're going where no man has ever gone before. So here is Paul now plugged into this situation. And he has the dubious distinction of trying to bring all of these gifts into balance. And so Paul, as many would suppose, not, I'm not suggesting many Pentecostal people, but some would suppose that Paul was speaking against gifts of the Spirit. No, Paul was in favor of possessing the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit being in operation. Paul was talking to people that were out of balance. And so Paul is trying to bring balance all back into the church. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 31, prior the last verse of the chapter before where we began in 13 tonight, Paul said this, but covet earnestly the best gifts. Amen. And yet I, he said, I show you, I show unto you a more excellent way. So Paul was not suggesting that we abolish the gifts, but he was saying, covet them, covet them earnestly. But let me show you something that's more excellent, more excellent, a more excellent way. And so if you really have your, it in your soul to be used of God, what Paul was trying to say is let me show you how to use the greatest gift of all time. If you think prophecy is something, if you think tongues are something, if you think healing is something, let me show you how to put something in operation that will be a critical ingredient that will bring balance and it will make everything else in the kingdom work. And that is the gift of love or the gift of charity in your heart, not in your lips. So of all the graces that God could ever bestow upon you, what he was trying to say, let's tap into this unmatched gift of charity. And these are the closing words of chapter 12. And then he begins this unparalleled passage of scripture, chapter 13, where we begin tonight. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass, our tingling symbol. The international standard version of the scripture says, I have become just a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. I'm nothing. In other words, I'm just down to, to the fundamentals. I am down to the basement. And so I want us to carefully tonight consider the progression of the comparisons that Paul makes in these scriptures as he writes. So first in our text, Paul compares this to emotional gifts. So we've got charity here. This is the main ingredient, and that's what we're going to weigh everything else against here this evening. And so the joyful praising of God in a language that Paul said of men and angels. So what a marvelous gift to be able to possess, to open our soul to God in the words that are beyond human language. I'm not talking about 
tongues as initial evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I'm talking about flowing in that gift where we get beyond our language, our vocabulary, beyond our ability. What a joy to praise God in unknown tongues. It's so divine that the glory wells up in the soul of a man or a woman and it just cannot be contained within our common tongue. I'm thankful. I sincerely say this. I am so thankful to have been raised in an atmosphere where this was just commonplace. Amen. Nobody's going to look at you crooked. Nobody's going to look at you weird. Nobody's going to treat you indifferent. But when we reach that crescendo of praise, when our vocabulary has extended itself, amen, to just enter into that heavenly heaven, amen, and begin to praise God, I'm thankful to have been raised around people that are just natural worshipers. It's not something they do at church to impress others or to be seen and heard but they just have a natural wellspring of something in their heart and in their soul. It's there in the morning when they wake up. It's there at night when they lay themselves down for rest. They always have a praise on their lips, on their minds. I just love the idea that we have the privilege to get lost in the spirit. Amen. I'm not talking about weird stuff tonight. I'm talking about something that keeps us grounded. So Paul is talking about these emotional gifts. I read a story, it certainly told to be the truth, but I read a story about an old farmer. A man wasn't, didn't have a, a whole lot, but he, he's an old farmer, but he loved God and he loved to go to church. And when he got to church, nothing could contain him. He just worshiped and he shouted and he just praised and magnified God and he was so happy and so full of the glory of God that when the preacher would begin to preach, that old farmer would just shout to his heart's content. And all was well until one day the church got a new preacher. And the new preacher didn't like the shouting farmer and he found that very distracting and so he appointed a committee of men to go talk to this man so these men went to this man's house. They found him out in the field plowing his mule. They introduced themselves as a committee that had been appointed and the preacher had told them that he needed to go and they needed to go and talk to him. And so they come to talk to him about all the shouting he was doing in church and all the shouting he was doing while the preacher was preaching. And he told them that the shouting was bothering the new preacher and he was just gonna have to stop shouting. With that news, the... The old farmer looked at these men and he said, brethren, you know, that's right. You, you, you men are right. I ought not do that. I ought to be quiet. I know that. I know that I ought to be quiet. I ought to be more dignified. But he said, you know, gentlemen, he said, when that preacher starts preaching and I start thinking about what the Lord has done for me, he said, when I think about the love of God, <clears throat> And how the grace of God came into this poor old sinner's heart. I had nothing, I knew nothing, I was nothing. And when that preacher just starts talking about the word of God and I get reminded of those promises, when I get to thinking about how the Lord reached down above all people beyond, he reached down and he touched me and he changed my life. When I get to thinking about one of these days that I'm gonna leave this old earth and I'm gonna get to spend eternity with him, amen, I mean something that's boiling in his heart. He stopped, he looked up at those men, he said, brethren, you're gonna have to hold these mules. I got 
got to shout a little while. Amen. I'm going to tell you when you think about the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the hope that God puts in our heart. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to join the farmer and say, you're just going to have to hold my mule for a little while because I've got something to praise the Lord about. I've got something to lift my hands about. I've got something to get lost in the spirit about. I've got a reason. This is not a show. This is not a stage. This is not a platform. I'm not entertaining anybody tonight. Amen. I'm thankful for what the power of God has done in my life. In that next chapter, chapter 14, in verse number 18, he said, I think, Paul said this. He said, I think, my God, I speak in tongues more than you all. Amen. Paul wasn't against speaking in tongues. Amen. This is what Paul would, would say to those tremendous moments. However, what Paul was trying to drive home was this, is if the glory that I feel in that moment is all there is, if that is it, if this is the sum total of all that there is, and I speak with tongues of angels and men, and that's all, then he said, then I am nothing. It won't matter how glorious that moment. It won't matter how powerful that moment. It will not matter how moving that moment. If that's all there is to this, then I am nothing. Because the emotion is a wonderful thing. But if that's it, emotions can be fickle. Anybody ever been happy and sad in the same day? Amen. Yes. Emotions can be fickle. You can't hook your wagon to that. If I'm just counting on this moment, I can't, that's why I can't just count on Sunday morning. I'm sorry. I can't just count on Sunday morning, 10 to 12, 10 to 12, 30. Hope that's gonna do. I can't just depend on Wednesday night, 7.30 to 8.30 or 9. I can't just hook my wagon to that because I know that in, in a little while, we're gonna have to end this service and the lights are gonna go out and the parking lot's gonna be empty and it's not gonna feel now, then like it feels here now. I want my hope to be beyond this and if it's not, nothing more than that, then I am just sounding brass, tingling simple. Next, from emotional gifts, Paul turns his attention or the attention of the Corinthians to intellectual gifts. In verse number two, he said, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and I have not charity, I am I have, I am nothing. I am nothing. Amen. So a person, if we think about just the intellect, a person can teach the gospel of the Lord and not love God. You could teach the gospel and not even love your students. You could, you could have all sort of intellectual knowledge. You could break this scripture down and connect this scripture to that scripture and you could prove all kind of points Amen. But if you don't love, if there's not something in your heart that loves people, it is impossible for someone to approach this thing from just the vantage point of intellect alone. Amen. We may be wise in our own eyes and use our knowledge to denounce others and prove this right or that wrong. However, to be an intellectual or to be trained is not enough. We can't just have this in our head. We've got to have something in our heart. There's something beyond there's something beyond that in the heart of a real disciple. And so he said, though I speak with tongues of men and angels 
but I have not charity. I am nothing. And though I am intellectually superior in all of my understanding and I could get my hands and my mind around all of these mysteries and around all of this, I can explain all of this stuff, but if I do not have charity, I am nothing. In the latter portion of that same verse, Paul turns from those intellectual gifts to to perhaps what we would say, and I just want to use it tonight in this Bible study as a practical gift. I understand that there could be some supernatural overtones to this, but he said in the latter portion of that, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. This could well be, as I mentioned, supernatural faith, or perhaps, perhaps this is a more pragmatic approach to the work of God. Because the work of God is just that. It is work. If you're afraid of work, you better quit now. Amen. Because it is work. So moving a mountain. That may be another way of saying that, you know, there are just some people, they know how to get things done. That's just the absolute truth. There are some people that will not just start a task. They're going to finish a task. They know how to get something done. So no matter where you find that person, there's a premium on a person like that. I I promise you that. My wife and I are blessed to be surrounded by people like that. And if we were not surrounded by people that knew how to get things done, we could not do what God has called us to do. And so there are a lot of times those that work with us uh, closely understand this. You've heard this before. They've heard this before, rather. I will approach them and say, hey, do you think we could do such and such? But they know how I spell we. Amen. I I use way more than two letters. I use every how many letters are in their name. Do you think you, do you think you can do something? Do you think we could pull this off? Amen. There are people that we go to and, and we know that we can go to them and they're going to accomplish. They're going to put it, you know, you've got people like that in your life. They're just, they're going to finish the task. They're going to dive in. They're going to get it done. And I'll tell you, we pray for more people like that in our church and in our life. Amen. However, this gifted and efficient person, if you're not careful, if that's all there is, an efficient person can get lost in efficiency. Amen. Because you can just efficient your way right out of life and right out of business because there's a practical side to this. Sometimes in business, businesses, especially large corporations are so worried about the bottom line that they forget there's a human element that is involved. And so we just squeeze here and we tweak there and we press here and we push here because we're trying to be more and more and more efficient until at the end of the day, we have lost the human element to all of this. Amen. I know what it's like to be in a working world, in a work-a-day world. And I know what it's like to feel the pressures of what I'm talking about. I have been in customer service issues where you, are, you need to deal with people. You need to talk to them. But the company is saying faster, 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 more, more, more. Get more done, get more done. Amen. But there's something to be said about taking a few minutes to stand at the counter and shake that owner's hand. Amen. There's something to, there's something to be said about taking some time and knowing their children's name and knowing if their wife is, or companion is going through something. Amen. So if you're not careful, those people that can move mountains, those people that can get it 
done can be so efficient until they get lost in their efficiency. Amen. Driven to the bottom line and it'll soon run aground. And so though I have faith that could move mountains, though I could do this and accomplish that, if I don't have the, miss, the right thing in my heart, I am nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Then Paul turns his attention in his writings now to benevolent gifts. And he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and I have not charity, it profiteth me nothing, nothing. And so it's possible for a person to be benevolent, to be generous, and yet that person just give for selfish reasons. I'm just gonna do this because I want the credit. I wanna do this, I want my name in the paper. I wanna do this, I want somebody to see. I wanna be elevated, I wanna be lifted up. It's possible to give everything they have to the poor and yet not even love God or even love those they're contributing to. Because they're giving, but there's a missing ingredient. There's something that's absent in their heart They have the means to be able to pull it out of their wallet or out of their bank account. They have the means to be able to put it in some kind of trust or some sort of fund, but they're not even connected. There's no heartbeat to what's going on. I wanna tell you tonight that the work of God is not just some mechanical robotic element. Amen. That's what Paul was trying to say. You guys are gifted. You've got it. You've got everything you need and you've got more than you need. But the problem is you're divided. The problem is you can't get your hearts together. The problem is, is you're trying to out sing this one or out prophesy that one or out heal the other one. He said, you're missing something in your heart. You got to have the love of God. You've got to have charity in your heart. I'm going to tell you, we need to preach the word of God. Amen. We We need to preach the truth, but hear me this evening. We've got to preach it in love. You've got to reach for people in love. We've got to meet them where they are. When their life is run aground, when they're on a sandbar of life, amen, we don't need to walk up to them with a long pointed finger and ask them what in the tarnation are they doing there. It don't matter what they're doing there. They're there and they need somebody to help them. Amen, I have said many, many times, I've said many, many times, It is not the responsibility of a lifeguard to swim out to a drowning soul and then try to ask them why they swam beyond the buoy. Why did you swim beyond the line? Didn't you see the signs? Didn't you see the warnings? That's not the time to talk about that. Amen. They need somebody to swim where they are and reach them. They need love that will compel them to go the extra mile. Love that will teach them intellectually. Love that will reach them with their heart. Amen. Love that will reach them. That is a critical ingredient, a critical ingredient. Oh, never discount the power of love. Real love, not shallow, passive. I'm not talking about something syrupy. I'm talking about real love. Amen, I believe real love has a little syrup in it. (laughs) But real love is there when the well runs dry. Real love is there, I'm in. It doesn't matter. Amen. I will tell you, and I'm, we're not alone. By any stretch of the imagination, are we alone, alone tonight with those in this house or those joining us online? But my wife and I have been high and we have been low. We have had and we have had not. Amen. I'm not trying to seek sympathy tonight. I'm just telling you how it is. 
But you've got to have something in your heart that says, I'm in. I'm just, I'm just in. Amen. I'm just here. We were talking about this recently, so it's on my mind, but we hadn't been married very long, a few years, and I come home from work one night, and candles were all in the house. And uh, dinner's on the table. I'm not trying to make it sound like leave it to Beaver, but I said, what are we doing? She says, we have a candlelight dinner. Okay. But the truth of the matter is, is our electric had been turned off. <laughs> that wasn't because we weren't paying bills. I had been in an automobile accident and we, were, we, were, we weren't being frivolous, being foolish. I don't want to leave that impression. And we weren't going to ask for help. She was paying the bills at that time of our marriage and life. So she wasn't going to tell me. So it started getting dark. <laughs> we need a plan. We got to have a plan. The plan was dinner by candlelight. Well, the Lord worked all of that out in short order, and that all worked. But but we didn't have a falling out. You just had to keep walking. You just had to. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, if you will. And we've discussed several things here this evening, but each of these. Varied subjects have a specific ingredient. There's a grounding rod to every subject Paul has set before us. Paul has talked about various giftings that we find within the context of the work of God. But then Paul, as I said earlier, and pardon me for going back here, but Paul, before he even launched into this dissertation about spiritual gifts, as he concluded what we know as chapter 12, verse 31. Paul says, there's a more pressing issue. There's a more pressing gift. So the first thing I'm going to do before I even start talking about tongues and interpretation and prophecy and healing and faith, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that there is a more excellent way. There's a better way to do this. So Paul takes charity out and he sets it on the table. And he said, this is the centerpiece. Now we're going to add everything to this. That more excellent way. This is the thing that Paul says we should ask God to pour in us without measure. Oh God, help us to love you and your word and your work. And this is why we should be seeking, or what we should be seeking the Lord for. That God would just pour out a double portion of his grace, his compassion, his love, his charity. So that we can operate from the fundamental basis of whatever we do. The springboard behind this is that we really care. And you know what? People know. People know. If we don't care, if it's lip service, if it's eye service, people know. And if it's coming from the heart. So Paul says... Here's the kind of charity we need. And I'm going to recap this real quickly. He said this about charity. Charity suffereth long. It's kind. It envies not. It doesn't boast of itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemingly. It doesn't seek her own. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't think evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It, but rather it rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and love endures all things. That's what kind of love we're talking about. 
We're talking about love that can stand the test of time. Paul says these are the greatest gifts in all the world. And that's what we should reach for. I want to ask you to stand. From the years or between the years of uh, 1817 to about the years of 1817 to about the year of 1915 or 1905, excuse me. In the southern part of the United States, some of it concentrated in the lower Mississippi and, and Louisiana areas. There was an epidemic of yellow fever. And between the years of 1817 and 1905, in New Orleans alone, more than 41,000 people died of yellow fever. And in this southern part of our nation, there was a very small, poor town. And, and people were dying at an unprecedented rate. So much so that, that the town had what they called, and I know this sounds crude, but the town had what they called a dead cart or a death cart. And this dead cart or death cart was used to pick up bodies of people that lost their lives during this epidemic of unyielding fever. And so in a very crude fashion, men would go up and down the streets in the evenings of this small town picking up bodies of people that had passed away during the day. They would haul them out to the local cemetery to graves that had already been prepared. Among those four people was a particular mother. She had a little boy living in a small house and she knew she was dying. And so she called her son, her only child, to her side. And she said, son, by sundown tonight, your mother's going to be in heaven. But she said, don't you worry because Jesus is going to come take care of you. Sure enough, the mother died that day. And when the man with the dead cart came down the street, placed her body on that cart, the now orphaned boy followed behind this man out to the cemetery where she was buried. And the little boy sat down beside her grave and just began to cry the night away. As a matter of fact, he cried himself to sleep. And the next morning, he was awakened by a man who passed by and stopped. And the man asked him, he said, son, what are you doing here? Why are you here by yourself? And the little boy told him the story I just shared with you. And then the young man said, he said, but sir, just before my mother passed, she said, I didn't have anything to worry about because Jesus is going to come take care of me. The look. That young man, that man looked in this boy's face and he said, son, Jesus sent me to take care of you. And from this day forward, you will be mine. Charity. Amen. Charity. Amen. We can't be like the, the priest and see the bloody body across the street. We can't be like the Levite and say, I don't want to get involved. I'm pressed for time. I'm running late as it is. 
We can't turn our eyes and act like we didn't see it. We can't stop our ears and pretend we didn't hear it. Because what's it going to be if we can speak in tongues of men and angels, but all walk away when it's done? If we can prophesy to the end of time, but when we're done, we just walk away and get in our car and drive away. Or if we have faith to move mountains, or if we have all kind of gifts of healing where we can be used and operated, but when it's all said and done, when the spotlight goes off of us, it's all over. No. I'll tell you what takes you home is charity. Amen. That's what takes you home. Amen. So I'm going to end right where we started this evening. Full circle. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. Though I speak in tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. It is not going to matter. The world is not going to know one thing. Hear me tonight. The world at large. And I'm not talking about the universe. I'm talking about your world is not going to know one thing about this service tonight. Not one thing. If we don't take it home to them. If they don't feel something in us tomorrow, they're going to know nothing about what we know. They're going to not experience anything that we experience freely. Amen. I say, Lord, help us to find that critical ingredient pull it back into the center where it belongs. This is not about us. No. This is not about us. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth. In earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Oh God help us today to know the main thing. Let's lift our hands and our voices. Let's pray and praise him. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family